This podcast contains adult language and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Merch giveaway, merch giveaway, merch giveaway. It's not a tsunami warning. (laughs) Now that we have your attention. (laughs) Everybody, you can head over to our Instagram at From Crime to Crime, and we are going to start with a merch giveaway, our very first one, actually. So head on over for rules, details, and how to get in and get those entries in so you can get some free swag. Yeah, we have coffee cups and T-shirts and tank tops and pens and chapstick and... And stickers all around. Hopefully you guys are finding in your local grocery stores and bookstores and everywhere you can be. Record stores. My favorite one was that picture that that one guy sent us from the wine department, his <laughs> local grocery store. The 19 Crimes one? Un- yeah, yeah. <laughs> he put it under the 19 Crimes wine. That was so cute. That was a good one. That guy's funny. I know. I like that guy. Two points for him. Maybe more. Just like just like whose line? These points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we're covering the intriguing case of Joshua Maddox, not to be confused with Greg Maddox, if you're into 1990s baseball, but I did look it up. Nobody would have confused that. I'm sure there's lots of people out there who might have. I just want to be sure that they know. The case of Joshua Maddox is a little bit crazy, and it technically is solved, but, you know, solved. That's a iffy term in this case. Absolutely. It's... I, I can't say that it's solved. So... Joshua Maddox grew up in Woodland Park, Colorado, and Woodland Park is like 20 miles northwest of Colorado Springs. It's a bedroom community, and it's surrounded by acres and acres of national forest known as the Pike National Forest. And he lived with his parents and his brother, Zachary, who was two years older, and his two sisters. And unfortunately, the week of his high school graduation in June of 2006, his brother Zachary committed suicide. Yeah, and a few accounts I can find from his father said Joshua took it hard like anyone, you know, would, losing a sibling so young. But he was a generally happy and goofy kid. He was known to wear top hats to school and carry a briefcase. Kid sounds like me. I used to do those kinds of things. He, you know, just, <laughs> just kind of a, you were jo- a jokester. Yeah, he, that's exactly how they describe him. Just kind of a jokester. He loved music and taking walks in nature. And, you know, he was known to have somewhat of a sense of adventure. Yeah, except he was also known to be very musical, which mm, you're lacking. Yeah, I'm not. I, I do not have that. Although I do play the didgeridoo. If anybody needs any didgeridoo players, you for do it, not any, play the didgeridoo. I absolutely you do. You own a didgeridoo and you blow on it, and it makes the noise. I own and play the didgeridoo. So again, if anybody needs a didgeridoo for any corporate events or weddings or just any kind of backyard get together, I'm available. And honestly, I'm not very expensive. So let me know. And honestly, not very available. Eh, I mean, I'm, I'm available to make money. So on the morning of May 8th, 2008, so this is about two years after Josh lost his brother. He was now 18 years old and nearing his own high school graduation. And he left his home to go for a walk one day, which was pretty normal. I guess being a nature lover and everything, going on walks and hikes are normal. That is not in my repertoire. So, Well, yeah, and it sounds like they lived really close to, you know, just a really foresty area of Colorado. So that would make sense that... He was into yeah. that kind of stuff and would go in, into onto nature hikes. Yeah, 
for me that sounds like a punishment i'm like oh my gosh my dad makes us go on hikes i'm like oh what i do why i've been on a hike with your dad we had a great time yeah it's terrible (laughs) so not the company just the hiking part of it. it's like hey can we just hang out we don't have to hike but anyway (laughs) Well, because he always lies. He always is like, oh, this one's super easy, punk, no problem. And then it's like a 40-mile hike. And you got to climb so. those la- those like wet ladders that we had to climb. The, yeah, that one. waterfalls yeah. and shit. It's like, fuck, God. <laughs> and it's pretty, but it's like, oh, it's so much. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, his family thought he was just out for one of these hikes that people like to do. After a few days of calling all of his friends and trying to figure out where he was, his dad decided to report him missing. I know he's 18, but I mean, waiting a few days to report him missing, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk bad about the dad, but that just sounds like waiting way too long for, you know, your kid to come back, especially if you've called around and checked, you know, different places, so. Yeah, it does seem like a long time, but I've also heard a lot of things about his parents being split up, and I don't know if they split up after this or if they were already split up when this happened, but if they were already split up when this happened, it would kind of make sense. The dad had three kids, and, you know, he probably worked, and like you said, his kids were adults. Yeah, right, but, you know... Still, yeah, he's five eight, days does sound like a long time. It does. And he's still in high school. You know, he hasn't graduated yet. Yeah. But once the search was on, you know, they looked everywhere in all the nearby woods and whatnot. And nothing came up. But the family really held out hope that he just went on this big adventure. I guess he used to talk about this grand adventure that he wanted to go on. And they were hoping that he would just show up again one day with his wife and his kids on his arm and introduce them to his grandparents and his aunt. You know, just as if nothing ever happened. Does that seem like something that's normal to you? No. When I read that, I was like, what? I I mean, I guess if I, every family dynamic is different, but that seems like a weird thing to just tell your family that someday you're going to go on this big adventure and not call them for a while. Right. And, and just come back and have some story to tell. And everyone's just going to be like, oh, that was great. We, you know, yeah, we were hoping you'd return. Yeah. If it was my brother, I'd kill him. Well, you still might. So, well, my brother, you mean? Yeah. No. Um. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably going to kill him for telling you about the McGruff the crime dog thing. I probably am. Well, I guess I shouldn't. (laughs) He saved us from major legal trouble. Yep. All right. Thanks, Bobo. Thank you, Chris. So in August of 2015, so seven years after this walk he went on, Chuck Murphy, a developer in Colorado Springs, which is nearby, decided to demolish an old abandoned family cabin that he had there in Woodland Park. He wanted to like build and develop the land into, I don't know if it was like townhomes or apartments, something along that line. Something like. And his family, yeah. And his family had owned this big piece of property and this cabin since the 50s. And over the years, family members had lived in it. But for the last like 10 years, it had been abandoned. And since then, you know what happens to abandoned cabins in the woods. Nothing good. Do you know who owned that cabin beforehand, though? No. It was owned by Big Bert Bergstrom, which was a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the gambling stuff. Exactly. He was running a gambling ring and maybe a brothel, and there was probably drugs in and out of there. But So it was kind of a a happening place, you know, before that. Right. And being an abandoned cabin, you know, with not very close neighbors, I'm sure teenagers used it to party in and... I'm sure animals used it to ruin. I don't know what animals do. They just go in and rip things up. Probably. I mean, 
that. Yeah. That's what they do in Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. Anyway, so demo day came and they start taking this cabin down, but they found remains of somebody in the chimney and they were taking this brick by brick and they came upon what was soon to be identified as Joshua Maddox. Yeah. And they identified him through dental records. And apparently he had an injury on one of his hands where he was missing the tip of one of his fingers. So I think pretty soon after they found it, they had already kind of knew it was him. I don't think it took very long to identify him. He may have been a very good baseball pitcher in his own right with that finger. Maybe. But the cabin was just a few blocks from his house. And the Teller County coroner quickly ruled the death an accident. And according to the Huffington Post, the coroner, whose name is Al Bourne, said that he thinks Joshua was trying to enter the cabin by shimmying down the chimney and he got stuck. So when the teen's remains were found, his knees were reportedly above his head and his hand was covering his face. And there was no visible signs of foul play in the hard tissue. There was no knife marks or bullet holes or broken bones or any signs of trauma or anything like that. But I'm sorry. Even if you're a teenager with like a sense of adventure, getting into an abandoned cabin, there had to be better ways than shimmying down the chimney. You would certainly think. Yeah, you're not Santa Claus, and everybody knows that real chimneys don't have a big enough hole to shimmy down. Oh, Like, that's common knowledge, right? I mean, I've never really examined a chimney before, but I assumed it wasn't very big. It makes sense. No, it's small, and it's zigzagged. It's not straight up. Oh, yeah? Otherwise, the weather would come straight down onto your fire. Well, I thought there was something over the top of it to kind of stop that. Yeah, but no, but the, even the shaft, like, it comes down the chimney, and then it makes like a... A jog over and then down huh. so that water and things can't get down in there. Oh, that's great. I haven't been, yeah. I, haven't, I don't have much experience with chimneys, apparently. Oh. Not yet, anyway. Al Bourne told the Huffington Post, and I quote, It was not an instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So when you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days, and the other would be hypothermia, which could take just a day or two. We have no evidence to say which came first. He could have been yelling, but nobody would have heard him. End quote. Yeah. So he says that we know he didn't starve to death because that takes many weeks. And then literally in the next breath, he said that he could have been yelling and nobody would have ever heard him. So it's like, well, how do you know he didn't starve to death then? How do you know he wasn't stuck in there for many weeks? Well, he probably could examine his stomach contents and see that. There was still something in there, so he probably didn't starve to death. Oh, maybe. And I guess the other two things are just faster, so... Yeah, that would make sense, too, that those would kill him before starving to death, would, especially if he had contents in his stomach. Right. According to the Denver Post, Al Bourne has also stated that there is so far no answers to a number of things. He also said it is very confusing. So the cause of death is unknown and the manner of death is unknown but he ruled it an accident. And Commander James Halloran of the Woodland Park Police Department, who was handling the missing persons case of Joshua, told the Denver Post, because of the way he ruled this, it's his case now and not ours. Which means the police can't even investigate anymore because the coroner ruled it an accident. Yeah, but remember, too, that the Denver Post also had reported that Joshua was found wearing nothing except a ribbed thermal shirt his pants, underwear, socks, and shoes were found inside of the cabin. So, right. I mean, that definitely could be hypothermia. Also, why are why is he naked? But it, well, that could be hypothermia. Well, you're right. That could have been totally hypothermia too. We'll get into that in the theory section. 
So Chuck Murphy, the owner of the cabin, has denied that he thinks this was an accident. He says there was like a steel mesh cover that he installed himself near the top of the chimney that he installed when he was laying the bricks for the chimney. And that keeps critters and stuff from coming down the chimney. Oh, there you go. That's how you do it. Yeah. So over the years, he had rarely been to the cabin And when he had been there, there was so much animal activity and trash and things inside that it just smelled awful. So it's possible that he was never there during the decomposition process, but he says that he wouldn't have smelled it anyway because the place was so bad. Well, what if that place already smelled bad because Joshua had already started decomposing in there? Maybe that's might be why, but we don't know. He also said there was a large breakfast bar that was pulled away from the wall in the kitchen and moved in front of the fireplace. And and Chuck Murphy did that? He's saying he did that? No, he says he didn't do that. Oh, okay. Interesting. But I can't find anywhere where he says when that was done. Because he had been to the cabin randomly over the years. So I'm not sure if that breakfast bar had been in front of the fireplace for five years or for five minutes. Like, you, I, that could have happened after Joshua was already in the chimney. Absolutely, it could have. Or it could have been because after he was put in the, or after he got in the chimney, you know, maybe somebody slid in front of it. So, but that's where we got to go now. We have to talk about the theories of this case. And really, there's only two major ones. So, this case is technically solved because the coroner ruled this an accident. There's still a lot of speculation into what really happened and was it really an accident. And there's, there's two major theories on this accident and murder. Erica and I don't really have strong opinions either way, but I'm going to take accident and she's going to take murder. So I think this is an accident because I've been an 18 year old boy and I know the dumb things that we do. And I could totally see this being a place that, you know, out on his walk and he's probably seen it before. It was only two blocks away from his house. And, you know, I, I don't know that drugs were involved. I know his family says that drugs were not involved, but a simple thing to smoke like a peyote or a salvia, something like that can cause, you know, temporary hallucinations. I can understand <laughs> doing something like that. I feel like you're being real stereotypical of Colorado. Ah, you're well. like, oh, maybe he was high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be stereotypical of Colorado. I'm just trying to be stereotypical of. Hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> if, the, if the snowshoe fits Colorado, wear it. <laughs> Yeah, the only place I've ever been offered peyote was in Colorado. Oh, I've actually never been offered peyote, but that really helps my theory on this. So thank you. So maybe he smoked something, maybe that peyote or salvia, something like that, and decided he could go up the chimney and got stuck. I could totally see that being a reason why, especially. So you're thinking from in the cabin going up. I think he was in the cabin. Yeah, I don't think that he shimmy down the top the coroner thinks he came from the top down yeah the coroner doesn't want to do his job it sounds like al Bourne needs to relook at this <laughs> okay so that's one theory was that he was there doing something you know frivolous but you think he was there doing that by himself like do people do drugs alone i think is that a thing i think he could be doing something like that by himself but i also okay. think that maybe he wasn't by himself maybe he was with you know somebody and that is why he you know wasn't wearing clothes maybe he met up with you what know, do you mean a romantic situation it could have been yeah you know it could have been you know something where maybe they An heard intimate encounter intimate encounter where they smoked their peyote and he tried jumping up the chimney yeah but then what where did the other person go 
I think they probably like once he got stuck and they probably panicked and didn't know what to do. And they could have just pushed that bar in front because they were like, I don't know what else to do and left him. So that's murder. I think for in this instance, it would be more of an accident, you know, more of a, a, yeah, it is murder. You're right. But yeah, it is. It's, yeah. But it's I murder. think, I think it's something like this though, that it could have been, you know, somebody panicked and didn't know what to do. And, you know, it I was, think if he got stuck and somebody panicked and just left, maybe that's less murdery. It's still murder, but maybe it's less murdery. But if they push that bar in front of the fireplace, that's murder. They were like, oh, don't come out of there. That's true. Okay, so drugs maybe or some sort of mind-altering situation. Is there any other theory for accident? Like the coroner thinks he was climbing down the chimney to get into the cabin, which I think is bogus because his clothes were inside. So Yeah, definitely. And I've heard, too, that his clothes were folded inside. I know there's nothing confirmed on that, but either way, his clothes yeah. were found inside. So I think he definitely mm-hmm. started inside the cabin and was trying to go up. And one of the theories that could be possible with the clothes being inside the cabin and the reason for him being naked is technically hypothermia. Because when you're in the later stages of hypothermia, your brain goes haywire and thinks you're overheating and you take all your clothes off. So maybe he dropped them down the fireplace and they fell out into the cabin. And then over the years with people partying there, maybe they got moved and, you know, that's that is possible. I guess that is possible. Yeah. Either way, either way, I I feel like he wasn't meant to die like nobody i don't think anybody woke up and intended to kill joshua maddox that day or or any day okay i think that this was an accident and whether joshua caused it himself or you know whether he was with somebody who panicked I, but why would he be coming down a chimney i don't think you he think was. an abandoned cabin i think there's a lot of other ways to get into an abandoned cabin there i'm are. sure there was broken windows i'm sure the doors weren't locked uh, i bet the doors were locked but i but i bet you're right there were some, probably some broken windows yeah i was gonna say because other kids had been known to party in here so and trash the place so it's like well how are they getting in they weren't coming down the chimney <laughs> that's true they weren't yeah it's like that's not happening i don't think so then the other the other reason that there's a lot of speculation for something nefarious is because there's too many unanswered questions. And if the coroner would have just ruled it undetermined and let the police investigate so that they could answer some of these questions, it might not even be that big of a question mark. You know, it might not even be that big of a conspiracy that something nefarious happened because he just so quickly ruled it an accident. There's so much speculation on the internet about these unanswered questions. And with so much unknown, why did he make it, you know, just mark it as an accident so quickly. I don't know. I don't think corners have like quotas or anything. Like I, would I don't hope think not. they have to have <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't think they would have to have like, you know, oh, we can't have this many undetermined cases. It's not like it's unsolved murders. Right. Just because it's undetermined doesn't mean anything. Right. And, you know, like you said, because this case is closed, technically, the police can't investigate leads or tips or anything on it. So I found a lot of stuff on Reddit. Well, I didn't. I found a lot of stuff on the Internet about stuff that's on Reddit. But because I'm apparently too old to understand technology, I can't figure out Reddit, which I feel like Reddit people are like my people. Reddit people are so your people. You need we need to figure out how to get you on Reddit. Dude, can you ask like your teenager if she can help me? Yeah. Because I don't get it. I downloaded the app. I've tried to do all this, like, you know, Reddit rabbit holes everybody talks about. I'm like, oh, 
I'm over here like an 80 year old lady still on web sleuths. Just yeah. <laughs> with my forums. Use your, use your laptop to get on Reddit. That'd probably be easier. Then, then you can go to the app once you're familiar. Oh, okay. So your advice is to use a piece of technology I know even less about to try to figure out how to use Reddit. Genius, Grant. Trust but me. Anyway, so one of the biggest theories is that he could have encountered sort of a bully situation. There's a big rumor about a guy named Andrew Newman, who supposedly grew up in that area, but I couldn't find anything that ever put him in the Colorado Springs or the Woodland Park area. But supposedly this guy grew up there and then he moved away after high school, which is right when this all went down, when Josh went missing. And he's been known to be involved in some pretty sketchy stuff, burglaries and murders. And, you know, there's been some pretty iffy, sketchy stuff. I'm not sure how in-depth we want to go on him because there's really not a lot of information except what we can find on the Internet. Right. Well, this Reddit thread, I mean, that's what sparked a lot of controversy, though, because what the Reddit thread says is that Andrew went to high school with Joshua Maddox too, and that they knew each other and that they'd become friends and were planning a trip to New Mexico together. And what is kind of interesting about that is the Reddit thread goes on to say that Andrew still went to New Mexico. And while he was there on his trip, he happened to befriend a, a caregiver and a disabled man. And he was invited back to the caregiver and disabled man's home. They were they were there together. The caregiver went to take a shower. When he came back, the disabled man had been stabbed and Andrew was nowhere to be found. So, yeah. And then when his fingerprints were found all over that murder scene, they were looking for him. And then apparently the caregiver was murdered in a bar fight shortly after. So murder charges were never filed because there was no witnesses or anything to the murder. That's what the Reddit thread says. Yeah. It also says he was wanted for burglary in another state and all these other things. Like, he's not a great guy. No, he admitted to killing a woman, stuffing her in a barrel, but the police already had somebody else in custody for that, so they decided to go with that guy instead and not not pursue Andrew Newman anymore. Like, it's all really weird stuff. Yeah. It is kind of... Really, it is... You could go down that for a while. Right. That's what I'm saying. I feel like Reddit people are my people. I could, I could spend a couple of months on that. You also have a really good theory, too, that is not very extremely common. And I don't necessarily think it myself, but every time there's an unsolved case anywhere between, like, 99 and 2012, I'm always like, where was Israel Keys? And I always check his timeline. And there's a big gap in his timeline right when this happened. So the last thing Israel Keys was known to fly to Anchorage in February of 08. And then he doesn't show up again for five months until July when he flies to Salt Lake City. So there's a big gap in there, you know, which there's not huge gaps like that in a lot of his timelines. Before this and after this, he flew somewhere every couple of weeks. So five months, it's likely that there was flights in there that they just don't know about, that he was using an alias or somebody else's passport. Or, or driving somewhere. I mean, he, could, I guess if he wanted to, he could have driven from Anchorage to Colorado and back in five months. Well, yeah. You know. You can pretty much drive anywhere right, in five months. Right, exactly. So, Except Hawaii. Well, you have to have a special car, but you can probably get there. Yeah. So anyway, I always check the Israel Keys timeline whenever there's something questionable and he's been known to use abandoned buildings he also has been known to leave the bodies in those abandoned buildings because the couriers he left their bodies yep. in an abandoned farmhouse that he killed them in 
So it's not like totally out of the question. It's not totally out of the question. It would be a little weird, you know, I think stuffing. Well, it would just I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances he met Israel Keys? Probably low, but yeah, it's still there. That's what I'm saying. But it's still possible. Definitely. They didn't look into it. So that's always my thing is whenever Israel Keys can't be like pinned down to an area, I'm like, well, it was probably that guy. (laughs) So, I know, that's the worst idea. But because the coroner just ruled this an accident without even investigating it, you have to, like, entertain those ideas because he didn't. If he would have and then said, okay, we came to this conclusion, it'd be like, okay, he died by accident, which I still really think he might have. I really think it might have been an accident. But it's also very possible that he ran into somebody like a Keys or even just a local bully who shoved him in a chimney, pushed a breakfast bar in front of it and left and let him die. Again, I don't think whoever whatever happened was it was meant to kill him. Maybe maybe that theory is right and maybe it did result in his murder, which would that would have would be. But I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, I'm going to kill this kid today." I think it was just kind of like maybe maybe you're right, wrong person, the wrong time and yeah. You know. I just I have a hard time with with them just so easily saying it was an accident. It's like, yeah, but you have to look into the other options because there are so many other options. Right. And one point, too, to make about the peyote, the, the salvia, is that they did do a toxicology report on his heart, and there's, there wasn't anything there to say that any drugs were involved, but something like peyote or salvia could definitely leave the system fast enough. Yeah, but there is something still, though, that irk, that bug, that you're like, yeah, but... If it was an accident, how did this happen? And how did that happen? Like, even Chuck Murphy, the guy who owns the house, doesn't think it was an accident. He's been pretty vocal about the fact that he thinks there was foul play. Because he doesn't think that kid slid down the chimney because of the mesh. But he has a reason to not think that. Because he doesn't want to get sued for wrongful death for letting a cabin go delinquent that somebody died in accidentally. Because he could get sued for that. That's true. And Chuck installed that mesh himself, so... Who knows? Maybe maybe it did rust over. Maybe, you know, because no one else checked on Even it. Even he admits it was 25 years before that he installed it. Exactly. So it could have very well have just rusted over and, and been a, something very easy to, to discard afterwards. You would think that the owner of the cabin wouldn't want it to be murder. <laughs> but at the same time, he probably does because he could be legally liable if it was an accident. Well, either way, we're never going to know until somebody teaches me how to use Reddit and then we'll solve it. But until then, if you want to teach Erica how to use Instagram, if you if you want to teach Erica how to use Reddit, go to our Instagram at from crime to crime. Well, you could teach me how to use Instagram, too, because if you'd like to teach Erica anything, come tell us at our Instagram (laughs) from crime to crime. Or you can just send us an email if you'd like it to be more private at from crime to crime podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, because I got us involved in that Saudi Arabia scandal this weekend. That's true. On Instagram. Whoops. We're going to be on the next true crime episode of From Crime to Crime. Yeah, we got involved in some sketchy stuff, foreign related. Anyway. But we got out Long of story it. short, we did get out of it. Well, I don't have a credit card anymore, so Chase Bank got us out of it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Chase Bank. You're great. Thank you for sponsoring our episode. They are great. Yeah, right. Thank you to our sponsor, Chase That's Bank, funny. for... No, but speaking of sponsor, though, we do have to give a huge shout out to Topical Supply Company for providing all of our merch for our giveaway that we're doing. Don't forget to visit us on Instagram to find out how you enter to win. It's really easy. You're just going to have to like a post and comment on it, maybe. And if you go to Topical Supply Co., 
you can get 10% off using the code GRANT10. G-R-A-N-T-1-0. You got anything else? Nope. I think I'm done. Just don't forget to enter the merch giveaway so you can drink your coffee out of a From Crime to Crime coffee mug. While wearing your t-shirt or From Crime to Crime tank top. All right. I love you. Love you too, buddy.